0: My guest on the show today is Rick Mills, CEO of Creative Realities, Inc. It's a publicly traded company. The symbol is C-R-E-X on NASDAQ. Creative Realities Inc. provides digital signage-based omni-channel marketing and media solutions to enhance customer, shopper, guest, fan, or employee engagement within physical spaces and transactional environments. The company is focused on delivering these solutions across verticals best positioned for growth in the digital signage space, including retail, convenience, entertainment, and theme parks, healthcare, QSR, stadiums and arenas, and dealer showroom ecosystems. As you will hear in the interview today, which we recorded on December 12, 2023, their customers include Best Buy, Macy's, Cowboys Stadium, Verizon stores, and more. With these well-known brands as customers, I wanted to better understand the economics of creative Reality's business, as well as how the company evolved and grew out of COVID that at certain retail locations saw little to no foot traffic, what the competitive landscape looks like how the company plans on scaling the business with more well-known brands, and Rick's three-to-five-year vision for the company. With that, please enjoy my conversation with Rick Mills, CEO of Creative Realities, Inc. Rick, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing,
1: man? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. We always appreciate the opportunity to talk about CRI and what we're doing and what we got going on, Robert. So appreciate the invite to the call
0: absolutely and uh again thank you for taking this time you know i i've known the name for a few years now you know i've said listen i've been doing this 12 years now so i feel like i've always you know I've, there's some of these names that have been around for a few years seen a couple conferences and whatnot so you know uh creative realities came on my radar when a couple buy side um investors that i know well had just taken a one-on-one meeting with you and they said you know maybe you should talk to rick have him on the program so here we are getting the update what's going on with with Creative realities? So. You know, for those, my first question that I always ask everybody on here, for those that aren't familiar with the story, you know, what would you, can you start us off with that one line description that best describes creative realities?
1: Sure. We, our business model is real simple. We put screens, digital screens, some would call them TVs. We deploy those for customers. Customers buy those screens from us to put them up around their facility and to display engaging content on those displays. They pay us for every display that is turned on. They're using our software. It's our software in the cloud. So it's what we would call, Robert, a SaaS model, right? Uh, so we are all about getting a display on a wall. Simple as that. Now, give you a sense for who we do it for and the types that we do. Um, we run a number of retail networks. For example, everybody that's listening to this has probably been inside of Macy's. We do every Macy's in America. I do every Best Buy in America. The TV wall, 75,000 TVs at Best Buy is all powered by our software, right? Uh, every Verizon store. Today, Verizon, we have approximately 27,000 screens at Verizon stores all across America. So that gives you a retail sense, right, of who we do this for. And we have another sector, Robert, or what we call vertical, if you will, which is uh, sports and entertainment. Today, we do about 50 facilities across America. The one that most people listening to this will be familiar with is AT&T Stadium or the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Today, that has 3,800 screens inside of it. We power 3,799. The one screen I don't power in that stadium is the jumbotron. Okay, but that gives you a sense for what we do.
0: Very good, and we'll get into some of the economics around all that. You know what that means because those are some those are some names that everybody knows, right? So, but I want to still get some more backstory, right? So, sure. You know, I remember we 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 talked offline a little bit. You said you came into the company about seven years ago, so you weren't the original founder. So, you know, to your recollection, what what? Let's take a look at the history. You know, what was the when was the company originally founded, and what was the that original thesis for its founding?
1: Okay, well, the original thesis for the founding, uh, the company was founded in the early two thousands. Okay, and the company actually powered and built two thousand eight, two thousand nine, the first major mall build out, if you will. Think of it as a mall proprietor that owned 300 malls across America and hired this company to go put out displays in all of those malls and operate them, okay? So that's how the company started. Um, I actually founded a competitive company in 2010. Uh, That company was called Connexus World. And in 2015, CRI had gone through some challenging times. They had taken two or three companies that none of them were performing well. So let's take three broken companies and put them all together. And suddenly that's gonna create a wonderful company. Well, what it does is creates one company that's three times more broken. So so they had had some challenging times. In late 2015, I saw it became available. The company had fallen down to the lowest level of listing. The pink sheets you can get was very much a penny stock. Um, I merged my company in. I took no cash. I took all stock. So there's nobody that's written a bigger check of investment in this company than than REC. Right. So uh, so I, I I literally put my money where my mouth is, so to speak. Uh, And that was late 2015. Spent two years cleaning the company up, had a lot of things to get done. In 2018, I think it's November, I want to say the 19th, but it may have been the 21st. uh, We uplisted the company, raised 10 million bucks. So I uplisted the NASDAQ over the, from 2015 to 2018, you know, you do several levels of public uh security and you know you kind of come up the the pink sheets list etc but finally uplisted to full reporting full requirement nasdaq and then uh in 2000 and we also closed an acquisition so 2019 was a wonderful year we grew 40 percent organically we broke through and And had three million in EBITDA. I think the company did about thirty-one million bucks or thirty-three million bucks back then. And twenty-twenty was our year. We were looking forward to another forty percent organic growth, uh, and we were off to the races. Well, I'm sure you and the other CEOs that you talked to all uh, had—they all had COVID in their business plan. I didn't. It's pretty simple. So at the time, our largest vertical was movie theaters. So we powered 20 of the Mm. top 50 movie theater chains, including AMC. So March 7th, they all closed. Uh, Seven days later, my second largest vertical, which was 50 MLB, uh NFL NBA stadiums they all closed and shut down so in 2020 47% of my revenue eviscerated in 8 days so not the best year of our that that I remember I I certainly didn't look nearly as old going into 2020 as I do now right okay. so <laughs> anyway, we turned it around, had to clean up the balance sheet. Of course, we had to cut expenses. We had to do a number of things, which which everybody in America did. So I'm not, you know, it's nothing special. It just was a challenging time for this industry and this business. Uh got through that, did fine. And, you know, 2021 started to grow the business again. Um, did an acquisition that we closed it february of 2022 and that was an acquisition that was very important to the company it completed the platform so my platform company is now complete i had all the tools i needed i had everything and i was able to start to build a moat around the business and that moat is these very large customers right i mean Best Buy's been a customer for 15 years. Verizon, 13 years. Macy's, uh, I don't know, at least 10. And I can go down the list, right? So we grew the business in 2022. We grew the business again at 40% uh, and broke through. So we did 43 million in revenue. We had 8 or 9% EBITDA. So the business was now on a roll. And we were feeling pretty good about. More importantly, Robert, at the end of 2022, we announced our backlog. Our backlog had exceeded $100 in requests from customers. So we had one large project. It's called Bowling is the project. It's about a $40 million project. And we were supposed to install that throughout most of 2023. And we didn't because it took a lot longer for the team behind Bowling, the group, who was putting up all the money and financing. And it took them a while to get organized throughout 2023. Uh, And so that's where we are. We have forecast this year. I think we told the market. All the analysts have us at 47 46 to 48 million ballpark range, I believe that's very directly correct within that range, which is about a 10% growth, which we're not happy with. Um, but it just took a while for these projects to take off. In the future, or 2024, we have given a forecast to the market of a very wide range. Our range for 2024 is between 60 and 80 million. So tremendous growth from 47 to 60 million, right? And how about if we hit the upper end, 47 to 80 million, nobody comes out with that kind kind of of, uh, forecast. So what we've told the market, as we get through Q4 and begin really deploying bowling at scale. Every month I'm installing a hundred bowling centers or something, you know, whatever that looks like. Uh, that we would update the numbers in March when we announce year end and all that stuff. So we we may update that forecast come March uh to give to narrow the gap uh between 60 and 80, but we're going to wait until March to do that. So that's a little bit about the background and the history and where we are today.
0: Very cool. Thank you for that full background, Rick. And you know, look, I I, I try and congratulate every CEO on here that made it through COVID as best they could. Cause that is it's a that was I mean, we all went through it for sure. But I mean, especially for I mean, your verticals were literally retail, foot traffic, stadiums, you know, like all of them probably looked at you like, oh, Yo, Rick, like uh, you know, we were <laughs> What do you want from me?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you know, of course, I I must admit, it's the first pandemic I've gone through as a CEO in forty years. Right? Yeah, me too.
0: That's right. Go
1: go figure. We all we're all doing this the first time, so there's a lot of room to make a lot of mistakes. But it is what it is. We got through it. Glad to be through it, and it, it. I will tell you, there is one i wouldn't call it a benefit i just i guess i'd call it a factor post pandemic is it has engaged my customers in a much faster pace people understand that the world is changing it's changing fast and retail and and these these folks who who put these networks in, which is mostly a lot of retail, et cetera, realized they needed to make significant investments and retool their networks and expand them dramatically. So we have started to benefit from that. And that is a direct result of the pandemic.
0: Now we're going to talk about my next question is related to that, that full product set. Now you mentioned that you just did an acquisition that completed the creative realities platforms. So for those, again, who aren't familiar with your technologies, you kind of gave, you gave a, an overview of it, of course, just now. But, you know, can you give us a little bit more color on the exact technology, the SaaS product that, you know, the Best Buys, the Macy's, the Cowboy sure. AT&T Stadium is actually buying from you guys?
1: Sure. So again, it's all, it's all tied to our software in the cloud. We have three platforms in the cloud. We actually, sorry, that's not true. We have four. One is a specialty automotive product platform, and my customer there is uh, Stellantis. It is used in every Stellantis brand in the United States, all 2,700 dealerships. So that's Maserati, Fiat, Alfa Romeo, Dodge, Jeep, Ram truck, etc. So uh, they use our they use the specialty. The next software is purpose-built for QSR, quick-serve restaurant and C-stores, okay? So we have a number of C-store restaurants who use our software and hardware. Um, And think of that particular solution is we put a screen on a wall, okay? And then the core thing that customers buy from us, they buy the screen, number one, then they typically hire us to install it because somebody's got to get it on a wall. And for me, I want to get it on the wall as fast as possible, right? (laughs) The faster I get it on the wall, the faster I get to start charging the customer for my SaaS software. Then the customer says, hey, I need content. Yeah, you do need content. We have a content team of 15 people or 18 people that does nothing but create content and also schedule it. We are a service bureau for about 80% of our customers, and so we schedule all the content. For example, one of our customers is 7-Eleven. Okay? Everybody's heard of 7-Eleven. A little factoid about us in 7-Eleven, every business day in America, 260 days a year, I install one to three new 7-Elevens every single day. And I don't stop. But 7-Eleven, what do they want to do? They want to sell hot coffee in the morning. They want to sell cold beer in the afternoon. Okay, So we change that schedule for them throughout the day. If the slushy in Texas is on special for Cinco de Mayo Day, and it's 20 cents off, my people changed the 20 cent price for all the stores in Texas, okay? But so, now we've got our CM, the screen, the CMS, installation, content. Oh, then what also goes along with that is called a NOC, Network Operating Center. I keep watch over all the screens that we manage for our customers. Because if a screen goes out, customer wants to know. You know, particularly if it's a, uh, a luxury retailer in Times Square, like Chanel, we do every Chanel store in America, and Chanel's got a screen out, they want that screen back up and on. So my knock monitors it. The next service is day two repair. Hey, workmen were in my store. They banged into the screen, broke it, need you to ship a new one and go install it. And so we do that. So, you know, these are all little ancillary services that all surround this screen and everything you want to do with that screen. Last but not least, service that customers want from us is analytics. (coughs) Excuse me. Tell me who's walking in front of the screen. And not down to the individual, right? They, they 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 don't want they they want it anonymous enough that I don't want to market to Robert, but I want to market to your socio demographic, right? Because that's what they want to do. So we provide some analytics back to back to them also. So our we have one CMS that is purpose built for convenience store and C stores. And then my final product is our CMS that drives retail. Our primary CMS, Best Buy, Verizon, all those guys are on a that platform. So those are our products and services.
0: Got it. Very good. So what would, you know, you mentioned that, you know, it, part of the way in which you're envisioning of building out the mode for creative realities is, you know, you have, I mean, these are name brand clients. You know, we've said it a couple of times now, Best Buy, Macy's. Verizon and whatnot, you know, but does that mean that there's other, I mean, who's your competition? You know, I'm sure there's, I'm sure it's different for each, for each, you know, platform, of course, you know, but I'm I'm curious as to the competitive landscape as well, what makes everything that you have a Creative Reality is unique and different compared to some of those that, you know, maybe maybe are using a competitor's service or
1: screen or whatnot. Great question. So, First off, let's go back in the history a little bit and even understand our industry, right? See, so, you know, we're, we're not like plumbers. Plumbing's been around 150 or 200 years as an industry, right? Okay. The What we call the digital signage or digital engagement industry, whatever you want to call us, it's only been around since about 2000. In, you know, 1999, there weren't a bunch of, you know, big square TVs hanging in some corner. Uh-uh because the invent of the flat panel display. And of course, in the early, in the 2000s, prices, you know, well, a 42 inch display was 5,000 bucks. You know, today it's, you know, $89 at Walmart, right? So dramatic prices come down. But, so our industry is about 22, 23 years old, relatively young industry. There's about between 200 and 500 competitors in the U.S. alone, however, 99% of them look and smell identical. They are a firm with 3 to 8 million in revenue. They've got 15 to 40 employees. They've got a single site location and they have no idea how to scale all across America. And yeah, they've got one big customer that's maybe 30% of their revenue. The rest of them tend to be regional and small in nature. And that's just because they started with that. Let's say they're one big customer and and I'll name a customer's name who is not a customer. I always name Target. Target's not a customer. I'd love to have Target as a customer. 1800 locations. Why not? So maybe they started with a Target Because some store manager in that city where they're located stumbled across them and said, I'm going to put up five displays. That's how it all started back in 2006, seven, eight, nine. 7, 8, 9. So they got that one big customer. Now, today, in this decade, this time, digital signage is now... It was a nice to have in 2010 or 12, Robert, right? It was kind of cool, but eh, my POS is working. Customers are walking through my door. They're spending money. It's uh, whatever. Today, I need digital engagement in every one of my stores, and I'm beating every vendor I've got to put screens in, okay? So now your target, and you started to evaluate this and say, well, I got 1,800 locations. I'm going to put 50 screens in every location, okay? That's 90,000 screens. Am I really going to hire Billy Bob and his 18-person firm who I've had a great relationship with out of Kansas City or wherever? Am I really going to trust them to go deploy at scale at every Target store across America? The answer is, heck no, I'm not doing that. So who are the big boys out there? That's where we come in. This is built for an enterprise customer and enterprise platform. I always tell people, you know, if there's some Sally's fish shop in Dallas that's got 12 locations and four screens at each location, God love Sally. I am not the best CMS provider for her. When Sally gets to 800 locations across America, Sally will call me. And that's the difference. We are built for scale. At 50, 60 million, we're the top three. Entering this year, there's a a publication put on by a German consulting firm named Invitis. That's the name of the company. And they publish every year this analysis on the whole CMS licenses and all across the world. They have us entering 2023 at number seven worldwide. 375,000 licenses or screens that I am manage. Today, I'm certainly closer, if not over 400,000. But it makes us here one of the top two or three big dogs in the United States. So if you're a big company today, and by the way, every retailer, Think of every big box retailer you know. That's everybody, you know, think of even Sherwin-Williams Paint. You know how many Sherwin-Williams paint stores are across America, right? Thousands, right? Think of the auto, uh, you know, Napa Auto Parts, Advanced Auto Parts. You just go down the list, you can come up with 200 big box retailers immediately. Every one of them is looking to build a network today. Why? Well, it's pretty simple. They've done a pretty good job of monetizing this, their phone, right? They've all got apps, they all got and they all got ecosystems to suck the customer in from the phone. Number two, they've they've hired or worked with Amazon AWS and they've got a whole ecosystem around their web. You know, you go to JCPenney's website or everybody's web, they got millions of ways to hook you. Okay. Or monetize you right but the one thing they have not monetized is eyeballs you know how many people walk in a target store in the in a a one-year period you know they get about a million visits okay so you think you know that's a moderately large target's gonna have a million visits in a year well you suddenly take that and multiply that times 1800 stores that's an audience that far exceeds the reach of a TV station so there this is why we are seeing money leave tv leave radio and come into our industry because i can use that money to deploy screens and i can monetize the eyeballs
0: absolutely so uh- you know, just playing a little devil's advocate here because I'm sure because sure, I'm sure you probably get this question all the time where they hear, "Oh, retail's dying." Uh, look, we're doing this interview on uh, was today Tuesday, December twelfth. We're all doing our our Hanukkah and Christmas shopping right now,
1: right? Yes, you right?
0: know, most of it's a little, quite a bit of it is online, but uh, still retail. But you know, for the most part, probably online too. So sure. what? So so what's what do you hear, what do you say to somebody or potential shareholder or anybody that's thinking about creative realities as to how they should understand? I mean, I know you have multiple verticals, but specifically retail, because we talked about quite a few big box stores already. Sure. How should they really think about the opportunity set for creative realities when you think of some of these trends that, cons- that you're seeing from
1: consumers? OK, so while they've certainly talked a lot about the concept of retail's dead. of all retail transactions today happen in the store. So while Amazon and others are big, it's only 7% of the market, right? So 93% still happen in the store, number one. Number two, particularly as you look at younger people, uh, younger people, millennials and below, they want engagement. They want entertainment. They value experiences over things so they want to go to the mall they want to do some restaurant or have a bite to eat at a restaurant they want to walk around do a little shopping and be entertained so it's really a combination of all of those things lastly you will see continue to see the direct injection of alcohol into retail stores because every retailer in the world wants their customers walking around the store with a cold beer in their hand or a glass of wine in there. Right. And that is a a direct reflection upon, we will see that induced in retail turn, turn it into an experience. So that's, that's how I would argue. And also by the way, that's not only inside the store, but it's also outside the store. We're doing a lot of out of home networks, screens out. You see cities that are creating landscapes where they allow digital. I mean, New York City, Times Square, right? Even 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 LA's catching on and Century Boulevards getting some very nice uh, visual attractions along there. So you're seeing it grow everywhere. By the way, and this this number's old, but a couple of years old, two million screens are added in the U.S. alone every year. So, next five years, that's ten million screens going up somewhere. Absolutely. So,
0: I mean, it's a big. Let's not, you know, uh, 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 I, I guess it's it's a big market, right? Yes, a number of different verticals that you can go after you know, it, it seems like the way you count it is by how many screens that you operate, right? So you're about 400,000 now. So how do you scale that even faster, right? You've kind of given some guidance already for, you know, obviously for 2023 and then looking ahead to 2024. But I mean, with these names that you have as customers now, you know, you're you're by all means, uh, you know, EBITDA positive at this point, you know? So how do you, how do you get it to go even faster with some of these other big names? Like, I mean- Macy's, the, the, right? The Verizon, the ATT, you know, like how do you go to them and say, all right, come on? Like, what,
1: let's go. Well, first off, we are, if there's any network of any size being planned in America, we're at least on the short list to compete for the business. Just by the way, doesn't mean I win them all, but at least, at least. At least I I got to show up to the game, and and sometimes I get to participate. Sometimes I don't, but at least I get to to show up. That's really number one. Number two, we looked at uh, how to grow this business faster, and so we aggressively started to pay down our debt because from 2018 to 2022, I did two acquisitions, And I took on some additional debt just to make it through COVID, right? So now, so our debt to earnings ratio was way out of whack. Ratio was something like five to one, right? Last year, we made, I don't know, three and a half, four million bucks EBITDA. And we had 22 million in debt at the start. So today we've paid off a bunch. We continue to pay off. Every month, we're servicing debt to the tune of over four hundred thousand in debt service every month. Now that's just principal payments. Okay, so because as we enter twenty twenty four by Q two, give or take, we think our earnings to debt ratio or profile will be under two to one debt to earnings, and maybe one and a half to one. Well, guess what? That gives me some dry powder. Okay. And we do expect to acquire some of these smaller competitors because, you know, we all, they all do the same thing. And I I talk to a lot of these young folks and that that own these companies. And of course, they want way more than it's worth. Right. However, remember, I talked about they got one big customer, 35% of their revenue. Right. I said, what does your business look like? Just go run last year's financials and take out that one customer. See, your business is losing money. And you're one customer, you're one customer away, one one losing one customer away from having a bad company, right? So it's that it's a combination of those things. So we expect to grow. We're we are gonna again grow this year. Twenty twenty four certainly forty percent if not more.
0: I mean, it's just wild, right? Like I, I'm sure some of these potential customers look at you know your public company. They see, just, you know, as of today, twenty
1: million market cap,
0: like right. forty plus million revs. But what what am I missing, right? Uh,
1: you know, our SaaS <laughs> we we've talked about how we'll you know exit next year at eighteen or probably be closer to twenty million and. We all know multiple of SAS people look at and go, well, that's worth six or eight times. Okay, fine. let Let's take seven. Just pick a number right in the middle. Uh that says my SAS alone next year is worth 140 million. Okay. Um I believe the marketplace when it actually sees us perform. And we've talked about this quarter. This quarter, the analysts have us at 15, north of 15. Last quarter, Q3 was a record quarter that the company's ever had was 11.6 million and gross profit of 5.3. That was Q3. Both records, all-time records for the company. I'm going to shatter those in Q4. Okay? So we're going to shatter those records already. We already know it. We've already told the analysts. The analysts have got their numbers out there. So we feel very comfortable. So we've really hit this inflection point. I'm now actually in Q4. I'm generating free cash flow. That, that that That's an amazing place to be finally, right? After seven years of hard work. But we're generating free cash flow. We're paying the debt down. We believe the future is very bright. I do want to circle back, Robert. You asked one question that I didn't I get to the uh, one point. TAM or total addressable market. What does that look like? Okay. Today, our industry, it, we're, we're roughly lumped in with what is called the out-of-home. Same place with billboards and, you know, displays that people buy. Right? Okay. It's about a $20 billion industry. Ballpark. $10 billion is about what we do. Right? That's selling SaaS Charging content management, content fees, all that stuff. The other $10 million is monetization. So I have a full ad sales team. We do two out of the four top theme parks in America. One of them is a company called Cedar Fair. We also do Six Flags, which, by the way, in the last three weeks, announced a merger of those two. And it's a pretty cool place to be because they're both my customers. Anyway, for Cedar Fair, we are the exclusive sales agent of monetization or ads on their theme park screens. So if you see Hershey commercials or Coca-Cola or, you know, the Joe's hot dog, whatever, running on those screens, we sold the ads. And that's media sales. Media sales is about $10 billion market, $10 billion for what we do.
0: Very good. So, you know, along these lines of, you know, what are, what am I missing? You know, you've, you've started to do the dog and pony show again, right? You're going to conferences, doing one-on-ones, meeting investors, talking to, you know, geniuses yep. like me. Um, you know, I say genius very, very haphazardly. And <laughs> hey, you're um, asking
1: great questions. I'm, so do, I'm, do, I'm, I'm, good. I'm,
0: I'm doing my best, you know? There um,
1: you
0: go. <laughs> so Rick, what, what would you say you know, some of these folks that you know, even after doing a one-on-one with you, or you know, seeing your presentation, you know, maybe even watching this interview, what would you say? Folks are still getting confused about the company, or misunderstanding, or maybe some of the frequently asked questions that you get that we can
1: address here. Um, I think people have been very concerned about our debt stack, okay, and no, so that's just a, that's an alarm bell. Okay, but that's all it is. And I think we've proven, started to prove, maybe halfway through the journey, that we are managing it very successfully. And we, you know, pr- particularly since we've entered the strict pay down, you know, re- or, or servicing of our debt. So I think that is number one. Number two, I think people want to see us deliver a quarter like we're delivering in Q4. So I believe that's also a big piece of it. Um, The rest of it, people kind of, okay, I understand the business. I understand this model. I understand SaaS. Now, I will tell you this. We still get some analyst coverage and, and folks say, Man, I love everything about the business. I just wish you weren't selling screens. Okay? I get that because the screen part of our business is very much a commodity. We make 25 points at most gross margin on it. Why do we do that? Well, because our customer wants one point of accountability. Think of Verizon and these big names. They don't want to have to go one place and buy the screen, and then I'm hiring a different company to come install it, and then I'm hiring a different company to use their CMS, and then I'm hiring a different company to do content. They don't want to do that. It's very inefficient. So to us, staying in the hardware business, hardware seeds recurring revenue.
0: say so you kind of see that in your most recent quarterly filing right in the what was that so from the nine months ending September 30th 2022 uh what was it so hardware sales were set about a little over 17 million and then yep. ser- uh services another was almost 16 million and that that basically flipped. Uh, a little more so for 2023, where services and other it's now just above 18 million, and hardware is about 12, what about 12 and a half, just over 12 yep. and a half, right? So, I mean, is that is that kind of the is that kind of telling that story there? Is that what you're you're trying to say? Yeah, I,
1: I, I believe so. Yeah, you know. But here's another piece that confuses people. Okay, if I'm running my business right, every year I have a new number one customer. You go, Rick. Well, that doesn't make sense. How, how's that? Well, it's because I've signed up, we've used Target. Hallelujah. I finally signed Target, right? What does Target do? Target's going to go spend 20, 40, 60 million on screens. So that's going to show up relatively rapidly, right? But then when they're when this when once we deploy that and get that out up and running, it leaves behind this pot of honey called SaaS revenue. And it's very margin-rich. Our, certainly our margins are well over 80 in our SaaS business. And so that's why we say hardware seeds our business and seeds SaaS. But every year, Target's not gonna spend 60 million a year on screens. They're only gonna do it for a year. And then, then guess what? I sign the next new customer so every year we're going to have a new number one customer if that makes sense
0: that does make a lot of sense so you know again going down the same path and or or that i was asking earlier in terms of just playing devil's advocate you know I, I mentioned the you know market trends and you addressed that you know is there any other downside risk that folks should be aware of other than you know they see the debt stack got it we covered that you know anything else operationally or market trends or anything like that that folks should pay attention to when it comes to downside risk with the company
1: no i to in all honesty i mean of course you know another pandemic who knows etc but we have successfully navigated through all of the down all of the downside risk we did we had one we were concerned that we would have one potential gap in cash and it's why we went out about three months ago and raised six million bucks. Just wanted to make sure I had enough to service the debt and continue everything as the free cash flow kicks in in a significant way in Q4, more importantly in Q1 and Q2 of 2024. So, we raise that money and have that money set aside to continue all the debt payment structure so we feel very good about where we are. The last internal thing I would tell you, because, you know, we, when, when you're losing money for years and you're burning cash, you don't have the money to, quote, buy the best furniture, the best software systems etc. Right? Okay. And we've been very frugal with the dollar. But the one thing this year that we are spending, we are converting the company to an entire Net Suites ERP implementation. And I pulled the trigger on January one. So we, we cut over in 12 days or what is it, 18 days from now? Uh we cut over. And I look for us to it's going to take a full year but we believe there are tremendous efficiencies that we will harness by implementing this new system. So uh, as we say, Robert, a lot, a lot going on. Sure thing. And, and
0: one other thing that I think it, it's probably important just to bring up and you mentioned it earlier is like, for instance, when you do, you know, sign up a new customer, you, you mentioned bowling, the bowling association, yeah. right? <laughs> is that sometimes the implementation of those new contracts can take longer than expected because is that the reason i mean because you know i looked at the gear to date right you see you know you see it the high at the 390 and now you're you know one and a half well like was that was that some of the where some of that was coming from
1: well i I can tell you this we signed the bowling contract i started that four years ago by the way Mm pre-pandemic we signed the contract in march of 2023 Mm -hmm. um is that right Yeah. Anyway, contractually obligated between when we signed the contract and the end of 2023, we were contractually, per the agreement, supposed to install 600 bowling centers. Okay. That's 20 million in revenue. Okay. Because of bowling, et cetera year to date out of the bowling contract i've seen less than 150,000 in revenue by year end i i expect that i will show 2 million in revenue in bowling so contractually i was counting on 18 million and then of course as a prudent ceo i cut that in half and then i cut it by 20% i had 7 million in my in my uh, project log 2023 for bowling the fact that it didn't roll out, yeah, we, we you know, it is what it is. Now, the good news is I didn't lose it. It didn't go anywhere. It just got delayed, and I am now, the factory is built, and I'm making sausage, so to speak, on starting to install bowling at scale. Right. And that will really roll in Q1, and that's why we, I wanted to make sure that we really understand the scale with which we're doing it. Before, I adjusted my twenty twenty four forecast. I, so, that, that no, it, it all actually ties together.
0: No, absolutely no, and I appreciate that transparency. And by the way, no pun intended. You expect it to roll in twenty in uh, Q one. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate. I, good I, point. I appreciate that. Um, So no, and that was my main point in saying that is that like sometimes you sign these big contracts, you know, especially, you know, listen, you're still micro cap, right? You're still, you know, scaling, you know? So like, that's just something that, you know, anybody at your stage should probably keep in mind when it comes to signing some of these big deals. And also, you know, when the revenue is recognized, right? When the installations happen, you know, so, you know, it's one thing to like see the contract signed and then it's, you know you just doing your job right of making sure like all right keep in mind this is how you know it's being recognized like we're thankful for the contract but you know this is how this
1: is how it works yeah panera was another one another great example of that we signed panera and announced it and everybody's great but then soon after we announced it panera made a change in the ceo and That's delayed it. Now, we've converted every other vendor who was in any Panera's doing digital is now gone. So we've converted. So 100% of Panera digital is now running on us. It's not the quantity we wanted. They have 2,000 locations. Today, I'm doing, you know, a dozen or two. And, And now the new CEO was announced a couple of weeks ago that Panera's going public. So, I, you know, these things are taking detours, but is what it is. The good news is somebody world-class like Panera selected us for a reason because we're daggone good at what we do. Absolutely.
0: All right. So just a couple more questions here for you today. You know, one it other is- one other question that I love to ask everybody on here, you know, especially at your stage where you're at, you know, what what would you say is the company's strategy to, you know, I mean, you've kind of alluded to and guided towards free cash, next quarter or i think for q4 you know so now that you've kind of guided and hopefully are, are going to achieve that you know how do you maintain that operationally free cash while still also focused on growth
1: um the beauty of the SaaS business as it continues to grow since the SaaS is so profitable it starts to it starts to cover all of my opex. in In 2024, we expect our SaaS will cover 100% of opex. Everything else we do falls to the bottom line. So, you know, I don't need a, I don't need a whole bunch more people. If if our revenue increases by 20 million bucks, it's a handful of people that we need to to manage that piece that's it so we 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 expect those additional dollars to fall to the bottom line at a greater percentage we look at the market this way we think at 100 million in revenue which we're not really not that far off if you will you know i've guided us to 60 to 80 next year at 100 million this business should drop 25 percent EBITDA to the bottom line at 150 million you're in the 30 35 percent EBITDA range so scale really matters here
0: absolutely all right my final question for you today and I really do appreciate you taking the time and you know being it being very transparent and in, in everything that you say you know from what you can tell us, where would you like to see this company in three to five years? And what would you say are the inflection points that'll get you there?
1: Well, there's no question. Our, we we have a hag here. For those of you who don't know, big, hairy, audacious goal, right? Our hags get to a million screens under management, okay? So a million screens under management is a $150 million company. That brings in about a hundred million in SaaS, twenty million in content and other service revenue, uh, and maybe thirty million in hardware replacement on an annual basis. So that's our our short term goals: get to hundred and fifty million. Um, and and number two, then the additional way to get there, will be doing some acquisitions, right? Because that's how we're going to help grow this. So that's really it.
0: Very good. All right. Well, Rick, that you answered all my questions, man. So with that, where can our audience go and find more information about creative realities?
1: Well, our website's pretty simple, CRI.com, right? So go to go to there. There's a tab, investors. It'll take you out. And of course, all the public information's out there uh, that we can put out. So please go look at it. We also have our governance documents out there, et cetera.
0: Very good. Well, Rick, thank you so much for joining me today. Really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. And I look forward to our next update.
1: Yeah. And hey, by the way, have a great holiday. You too.